Hey there, hooligans. This is Benji, the ne'er-do-well behind Vermingard's Dante Ovalatze. I'll be taking over the DM chair while Frank recharges his storytelling batteries after an epic season finale last week. Rest assured, Vermingard will be back in January of 2021. Until then, Dice Hooligans proudly brings you our new mini-campaign, The Harvest, just in time for the Halloween season. Our story begins in the wilderness of the southern reaches, far from the more civilized parts of what is known as the Veiled Lands. The hero's travels have brought them to a sleepy little village just south of an ancient forest with a sinister past. As days grow shorter and shadows begin to lengthen, join Dice Hooligans in our first episode, Schrodinger's Casket. Hello, Hooligans. This is Benji, and uh, for a change of pace, I am starting a new mini-campaign. We're taking a small break from Vermingard for the rest of the year. So starting October through December, we will be going into my world, the Veiled Lands, in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, This is a kind of a dark spooky game which is great for the season as you know the the uh, day is ending sooner things are getting darker now looking forward to it and i am blessed to have four players willing to join me on this fun time let's go and start off with frank uh let's go and talk about your new character hi uh so yeah i'm i'm playing for the first time in a long time which is exciting uh but i'm i'm playing lochinar tarkas he's a uh, half-orc paladin who is one of the Haven Guard, formerly Storm Guard in this world. He is very um, heroic in his own eyes. He he thinks the world of his order, and he wants to go out into the world and sort of clear some of the past misdeeds that his order um, had, uh, had done. And now he's seeking to show everyone that, you know, they're not so bad. In fact, there's somebody that can be, the, the Haven Guard are people that can be trusted in and counted on um in terms of like appearance lock is a younger half orc he's in his mid-20s but he's he's very tall and he has the uh the facial hair of green arrow you know like the the mustache and the goatee but it's it's black and he has his hair up in a top knot along with it but yeah th- so that's that's lock so for luck, now there is, we're going to get into a little bit. There's a, a reason you are all going to a village called Glen Hollow. And why is Locke going towards this region of the Southern Reaches? Well, Locke, his mentor, uh, a dwarf named Blordenact Gutterkeg, he was the person who got Locke into the order and sort of was his mentor, his friend, basically who Locke based his entire life and just his own feelings of the world. He's emulating Lordnack. He, he wants to be just like him, but Lordnack and two other Haven guard went off on a mission some months ago and have not returned. So Locke was able to pry that they were heading towards Glen hollow from his superiors. And for the first time in his life, he has ventured out by himself to go find Lordnack, go find out what happened to his mentor. Okay, great. Thank you. Up next, we have Justin. Justin, you're joining us for the first time on the show. Yes, I am. Hi, I'm Justin. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Longtime listener, first time caller. Um, for this campaign, I will be playing a uh, Circle of Dreams druid, gnome druid named Pocket. Uh, Pocket has lived in the forest for a few years by himself and came across Lochnar. Um, 
about to be attacked by a wolf and was able to kind of calm that down before anything else happened. And uh, they've been fast friends ever since. So I'm just traveling along with my buddy. All right, sounds um, good. Like Zach Galifianakis and the baby in the hangover. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That creates an interesting mental picture. (laughs) All right. Uh, Up next, AJ is returning to this campaign. What are you playing, AJ? Uh, I'm playing Finn Gallows, a rogue human, uh, arcane trickster, kind of a scumbag. He's in it for the money. He's not going to be too shy to admit that either. Um, But he is on his way to Glen Hollow to meet a, to find an informant. Right. That was the informant's name was uh, within the guild is is the merchant of secrets or just the merchant. And he has been rumored to have been in Glen hollow for some time, uh, is an informant for the wilder areas of the Southern reaches. And the usual communications with him have stopped a few weeks ago. So there's been some concern. They've sent you out with a promise of, uh, very adequate compensation, which caught your attention. Okay. Yep. All right. Great. And then finally we have Morgan. Hello, Morgan. Why, hello. So, uh, yes, hi. Normally, I am a very serious cat. And now, guess what? I'm a very serious wood half-elf. Um, my character's name is going to be Carlora, or Carl for short. She is a wood half-elf ranger urchin with a owl. And she's pretty... Uh, pretty stoic pretty no nonsense sort of half elf she's 50 but that basically means in human years she's like you know 25 she's got silver eyes red hair taller she's about five foot eleven and you know she's just she's here (laughs) and you were here because like finn who is a member of a gang called or a guild a thieves guild called the river jacks which is in riverhold mm-hmm. riverhold is a very large city within the southern reaches where this is all set uh you were contacted to by a couple different parties finn as well as Locke, because you know this area the southern reaches very well uh you've you know you had been a urchin and grew up in Riverhole, but when you were old enough, you got out into the wilds. And for you, this is home, basically. So uh, you were you're actually making sure that uh, both individuals uh, you're going to be leading them through the southern reaches. To some of the the you've had some as you've been for the last week or so traveling with them. The you've been able to avoid a lot of problems. There was a couple mm-hmm. of bandit uh, situations before sure. that you were e- able to take care of pretty quickly. Most of them thought better of it and let you go <laughs> on your way. Y'all look like a formidable party. Yes. So, uh, Oh, I forgot to ask what's the name of your owl. Pidge. Does it have a name? Pidge. Okay. Pidge. <laughs> I like it. All right. Get it. Oh, we got to like get a, all the players here. It's like a pigeon. I got it. Owl. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. The one funny joke that Carlora will ever have. <clears throat> All right. That's it. Yep. You're, you're at your quota. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right. So as I said before, I'm going to be the GM for this uh, fun little game. And as I said, it's set in a world that is known by most as the Veiled Lands. And you're in an area called the Southern Reaches. The Southern Reaches is 
uh, bordered by Riverhold in the east and Stormhaven, where the Haven Guard are in the west. And to the north is an area known as the Blight, uh, far to the north, which kind of cuts off the rest of the southern reaches from the rest of the Veiled Lands. Uh, two things to note in here that uh, elves are kind of scarce in this area. Some think of them as legends. Uh, others think, you know, well, they, they have passed on from this world, moved on to somewhere else. Uh, also, half-orcs and orcs, they're not necessarily thought of in the light as they are in some other D&D worlds where, you know, they the orcs are all inherently evil. Uh, really, in the northern lands where most of the orcs are located, they are accepted with uh, human nomadic tribes and barbarians and that as equals. There is no stigma to being a half-orc. As you get further and further south, there's a little bit of it, but it's just, you know, every now and then it's just a curious look if they see one in this area. Uh, so some of the normal prejudices or, you know, stigmas that you have with those races are a little bit different in this world. So, everyone ready to get started? Yeehaw. Let's do All it. All right. Yep. Let's do it. All right. So, after traveling for half the day, you all come upon the sleepy village of Glen Hollow, nestled amongst the oak and pine of the northern woods. The chill autumn air carries the scent of wood smoke as you enter the small community, hinting at an early frost. A number of the outlying farms look deserted, you find. The crops grown wild after being left unattended despite the fact that it is late into the harvest season. Farms soon give way to the small houses and businesses, many of which are boarded up or just left abandoned as well. Empty windows blankly stare at you as you pass by. Other dwellings still look occupied, and curious faces look up at your coming, but quickly glance away, unwilling to meet your eyes for long. Children stop mid-play to stare at your group and wonder, their parents making warding signs close to their chests as they quickly heard their small charges indoors. The further and further you get into the town, there is a feeling of unease. Something is not right. What do you do? The further and further we get into this town, I feel uneasy. Like something isn't right. What do you think? So, oh, I would say maybe we should um, keep an eye out then. I'd say let's keep two a piece. Is anybody else going to be looking around for anything in, uh, specifically? Or you were told when you were coming in, so real quickly. I'm sorry. Well, you were told when you were coming in that there is a there was one inn. It's got it's a one inn sort of town, possibly a one horse sort of town. Yeah. Uh, and it is known as the Last Rest, and that's where uh, you had rooms waiting for you, from what you were told before. Uh, other than that, some of you have your own agenda, so feel free to talk amongst yourself what you want to do, where you want to look around. Um, I would actually like to do a, uh, a perception check just so I can see if there's anything else that catches my eye, anything that um, would concern me. Well, there is. Go ahead and give me a roll. <laughs> Seven. Oh, everything is great here. Yeah. Like First a- roll of the game. Everything's fine. It's like a fine bustling town. Uh, you look around and it's your perception seems to believe be a bit off because there's this foreboding feeling that you're getting from, you know, once again, these abandoned houses. And this is mid harvest season. This would be the busiest time for a village like this. It's a largely a farming community and the, and the outskirts. And then the town itself is in the center. It's everyone seems to be from what you can tell, Locke, 
they seem on edge. You do see some people packing up literally and move there. They, uh, they have a large wagon and they're getting out of town. It looks like they're moving and very, you're watching like this one small family uh, looks like uh, two humans with a small child. Uh, the father is frantically tying. It looks like an old hope chest or something to the back of the cart while the uh, mother is asking, please, please hurry. Joseph, please hurry. We need to get moving before it gets dark. Um, It's about dusk right now, by the way, almost dusk. Uh, I'll go speak to the family. Uh, I'll I'll step forward. Okay. Um, Anybody else want to? I mean, I'll Uh, I'll walk with him. Yeah. I'll hop in. (laughs) Is there like a, uh, a tavern of sorts I could possibly go and get a drink. Yeah, that would be the uh the on- one and only uh tavern and inn would be the last rest uh that you were told about. And that's a little bit further into the center of town. You're still just hitting the town proper right now. You're in the east, so probably a little further into the west will be the center of town where you can find that establishment. Right. So so we're on the promenade. There you Promen- go. <laughs> the promenade is what they promenade. Okay, so yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll speak to them with uh with Carl and Pocket. Uh, now I'm gonna go ahead and see that tavern. The, okay, so you're gonna start going towards the tavern. We're gonna take a we're gonna stop that just for a moment. Uh, Finn, we'll get to you. Let's go ahead and talk to the three there, talking to the family. So the wife lo- sees you first and kind of goes a little bug-eyed and not at the fact that you're a half orc but the fact just you know there's three looks like competent armed people coming towards them so she quickly shakes her husband's shoulder he looks up from where he's tying off that last uh piece of furniture and stops just in his tracks and looks at you um so Locke puts his hands up in like the universal sign of hey it's cool <laughs> okay and uh says Greetings and well met. My name is Lochanar. These are my companions. We're new into town. I, I, you seem to be in a hurry. I hope I'm not preventing you from meeting your timetable. No, 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 no. We're, we're just leaving. The uh, the man says. Uh, you, you. Is everything all right? You seem to be leaving in a hurry. Uh, yes, we are, and you should too. Uh, and why? Why is that? The woman speaks up. This town is cursed. Hmm. In in what way? I see that the harvest has been bountiful, but no one seems to have reaped it. What is what what curse could you be referring to? He's the man looks around, kind of like darts his eyes from left to right, looking around, and says in a hushed whisper, "The forest, the forest has come back to reclaim us. People have gone missing." I, I take a, a peek over my shoulder to both Carl and and then I look a little bit further down to see Pocket. Well, the forest seems to be your area of expertise. It does. does. I mean, does it- yes, it does. Um, I can commune with the trees and see if I can find out anything. Uh, and, uh, how far is the forest? The- oh, I'm sorry. How far is the forest from where we're at? It's you can see it in the distance to the uh, looks about northeast. Uh, there you can see the, uh, mainly pine, uh, trees, uh, some oak. It's across a river known as the Fell Reeve. 
And the only point where he seems to get to it in the distance, you can see a covered bridge okay. leading from the outskirts, the northern outskirts of town over the Fell Reeve to the forest proper. Okay. One more question. Is there any, um, within like, like close by distance, any like old oaks or any older looking trees that I could possibly commune with? There's sure. There's an oak probably about, uh, 20 yards away, uh, uh on, on top of a, a small hill. So I, I turn and look at the others and say, I'm, I'm going to go and, um, and speak with the trees and I'll, I'll be right over here. And I start walking towards the older tree and leave the others to it. So for, uh, Carl and Locke, uh, anything further you want to ask the couple and their child? Anything, Carl? I don't think I want to ask them anything, but I, I want to send out my, my owl just to kind of scope the area just to see if it can see anything going on i don't know how it would communicate to me that something was wrong but would that you you have a you have a rapport with it now you can tell when it's agitated or Nervous. you know when it's happy things like that exactly yeah yeah okay i want to i want to send pidge out just to see if if she sees anything all right so you give the commands and raise up your arm pidge takes flight yep. and starts to go in widening circles around the vicinity so we'll go back uh, to uh, at that site. You see the small, the small child, a uh, boy, probably about ten, maybe eleven, just looks up in kind of a gasp. And the, oh, is that your bird? Yes, absolutely, it is. Her name's Pidge. Oh, she's lovely. That's much better than the that the smiling ones here. <laughs> I'll I'll give you a little bit of a secret here. Animals are usually way better than the people that are surrounded by you. You, I assure you. you the, the boy kind of cocks his head to the side and thinks for a moment and then nods sagely. You get it. I, and he's going to, it's, it's a sense, you know, the, it makes sense to an 11 year old, probably would better than it would an adult, mm-hmm. but that's always the way of things. <laughs> um, Locke is going to take that moment and say, smiling ones. What, what pray tell is that? Yes. Uh, the, Birds, they sometimes smile. And the father looks down and goes, hush, boy. Don't talk nonsense. You'll bring, Bill at, you'll bring ill will upon us. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll kneel down just to kind of get on the boy's level um, and ask him, you mean that you've seen, you've, you've seen smiling birds before? Oh, I've heard about them from Tim McCormick. Oh, you've heard about them, but have you mm-hmm. have you seen them like it, with your own eyes? I've seen the birds, but I don't see them smile. Timmy, Timmy sees that. Hmm. Timmy sees it. Timmy's one of your friends. Mm-hmm. Is he nearby? Sure is. He points out to the northeast, like uh, a little bit farther uh, to the outskirts of town, towards uh, oddly enough, towards the uh, northeast where the bridge is. Hmm. I'll look up at. At lock, be like well, that might be something that we might want to go say hi to him too. Maybe check it out. Of course. Well, it is customary for the Haven Guard to meet every citizen that they could possibly help. So I, I intend to at least say hello to every citizen here in this town. That's going to take all day. 
<laughs> As I said, just hello. All right. On that note, let's go ahead and pause this for a moment. I'm going to go to Finn. So yeah. you are walking into the center of town. You get probably, while this is carrying on, you, you've kind of listened to the last parts of this conversation as you're, you're walking down this hill. And something catches your eye. Is it money? It's probably money. Well, no, this time it's not money, but you never know. There could be money made in something. When you are, as you're looking down, there seems to be from, what would it be, the center of town, you notice, what, you, you notice a small procession of sorts, a line of people coming out of, looks like maybe it's, it's a white building, could be a, a school or a church. Gonna, and as you're, oh, go ahead, go ahead, please. No, let's just continue. As you may start making your way towards further to the center of Glen Hollow, you see this procession. It's slowly leaving. It does look like a chapel, and this chapel has seen better days. At the head of the group, you see four men carrying a simple pine coffin between them. Their somber faces and pale with grief pause as they look at you suspiciously as they start to get a little bit closer. You're on this hill, and you're definitely an outsider, so it raises some curiosity. That's about what you see right now. And you see in further in the distance, you make out probably would have been like the only two story building in this small village. More than yeah. likely, that's the, the inn tavern. Can Finn go and did they lock up the church at all? Uh, you'd have to go down there. You'd have to pass these people by to get to the church. Hmm. Is there anything I can roll that can make that look a little bit less suspicious? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's see. So for you, you want to be less suspicious, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I'm gonna. How about you roll a performance? So you're going to be trying to, you know, look yeah. casual, right? So roll a d20 and add your performance skill. Would that be charisma? Yeah, and you actually have performance. It's a charisma based skill. Uh, I believe oh, you're yeah. plus three to, for performance. Yeah. Sixteen. Okay. You look like you're just having a nice afternoon walk. So don't seem to raise, I mean, beyond the initial curiosity and suspicion at first, mm -hmm. uh, you see some of the people kind of nod at you a little bit as you're getting closer. And then uh, they seem to almost like wake from a dream and just nod at you somberly and continue to carry their grim burden towards what you can see to the directly to the east is a small graveyard in the outskirts of the town. I'm going to kind of give a nod and condolence as well as I pass by and go and see what what's in the church, like what the procession was before they brought out the casket. Okay. And we're going to pop back over to, uh, let's go to Pocket. So you wanted to have a talk with old man Oak here. Hmm? I did. So what would you like to do? Um, I think we're just going to touch the tree and ask, and um and ask if there's any sort of um what what this this curse seems to be that the townsfolk speak of now you know being a druid that the trees may not perceive things the same way that uh humans or you know, elves what have you would mm -hmm. uh so you get impressions and <clears throat> sadness Old sadness. 
older than them for the tree to say old. And this is this is a large, large oak. It's been around for ages. And it's referring to something as old. You get the impression it's thinking older than the tree itself. Hmm. Well, that is interesting. And, and you get the impression of something waking up. Hmm. I thank the tree and give it a hug. And it's you, you can almost hear the rustling of the leaves a little bit as it appreciates the gesture. And I go back towards Locke and Carl. Okay. As you're going back towards them now, at this time, we have. You're going back towards down this little hill in, in, into the road itself. And the road itself, this is, goes further down into the, the, the village. You folks are now noticing. So Pocket, Carl, and Locke, you all now see this procession that Finn saw earlier coming up towards you down the road. At, so as you're looking at this, the gentleman, uh, Joseph, he gets up onto the buckboard of the wagon and says, uh, if you'll forgive me, I, I, I need to get going. And so I, it's bad luck to be here when a funeral goes by. You understand. Nervously snaps the reins. The horses take off. And a little bit of a slow start because how heavily burdened the wagon is. But eventually they get moving. Uh, Locke will raise a hand in farewell. And then as the procession goes by, he'll grip his uh, his symbol of the Haven Guard that he hangs around his his neck. Um, and bow his head in a silent prayer for the, the deceased. Okay. There are some people seeing you doing that. Some give you an odd look, recognizing you as Haven Guard, and they're still, you know, there's not everyone in the Southern Reaches trusts the Haven Guard yet, but your order is making a lot of headway. Others kind of nod to you, sadly, but with thanks. Um, I'll look to Carl and Pocket and say, well, maybe we should meet up with Finn. He's gone further into town. We'll get more answers there, I bet, anyways. I should probably get my bird, shouldn't I? Well, you can call, you can give a whistle or what have you, you know, if you have some, like, hand signal to bring Pidge back. Hey, no, just kidding. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That works, too. Hey, Hey, I'm not going to. Get back here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. Pitch comes back and lights on <laughs> your shoulder. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll snap uh, twice, and she'll come back down on my shoulder. She slowly makes her way back down, lights on your shoulder. That's, that's quite the neat trick, Carl. I had assumed birds were like boomerangs; they just came back of their own volition. <laughs> oh no, she has her own mind, but she needs to. She knows when this, when the snap comes. To come back to to come back to Mama. <laughs> what? Lock, Lock smiles and nods. Says you have quite the rapport with your your companion, and and I'm I'm just appreciative of the camaraderie that you share. Yeah. Well, you know, I I don't, I, but <laughs> you know, I I just I can't with everyday people. This bird gets me. But does she does she seem very agitated at all? Almighty Jam. She. Uh, oh, my GM, who's that? Uh, <laughs> so she seems a little bit, her feathers seem to be a bit ruffled and she seems a little bit agitated. Like she's, she's kind of moving from 
to, from foot to foot a little bit, which you know over the years of working with Pidge, she's something's not she's some something's amiss. Something she seems to be agitated by something. You get the impression it's almost like there's something in there's something that's challenging in the air. Mm, I. I see her giving her her tippy taps, and I look over at at Locke, like, "Hey, there's there is definitely something going on here. We really need to keep a lookout." She doesn't do this often. Locke nods and says, "If if Blordnack had passed through here with the other Haven Guard, I imagine that you're correct. We need to be careful and keep our eyes peeled." Pocket pipes up and uh, a. It says, even the trees have something going on. Um, that oak is, it's, it's ancient. It's an ancient oak. And here we are. It said, there's an old sadness awakening. Something is definitely going on here. So when you mention, uh, if I may ask luck, when you mentioned Blordenak, did you say that like in hushed tones or was it just in conversational tones? Uh, are people around us? You have the group passing by. Most of them, it's like you're at the tail end of the procession right now. Mm. I, I would have been respectful. So a respectful volume okay. um, as to not interrupt the procession, you know, sort of aside to my comrades. So I, I definitely would have said that a little bit quieter. All right. So you some some villagers towards the back, they, you know shake their heads and kind of like you know, make a hushing notion, um, almost like they're unwilling to break this silent reverence. And going back to Finn. So Finn, you're moving towards the church and you're seeing uh, a boy, maybe about 14 years old, rushing out of the church. And he's looks like he's going straight towards where the procession went. Okay. And he's almost passing you by at this point. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to stop and wait for him to run as far away from me as possible and then continue to go into the church. Okay. Kind of scope it out, look around, and see if there's like a way I can get in without being noticed. Uh, you are able to. It looks like there's there are people in the area. The church is not in the center of town, but it's it's close to kind of the if you could call this a a, a, a town center. It's enough where you might. There are some people kind of look up at you because hey, there's a stranger going towards the chapel type of thing, but yeah. You seem they kind of give a, a, a look at first and then just go back to whatever they're doing. As I said, some of these people don't want this. Almost seems like some people are curious, but they don't want to look too much because they're trying to get out of here. They're trying to either get out of here or they're trying to take care of their business or they want to keep out of other people's business. Yeah. Kind of odd for a small town. So you're looking around the side or you don't see anything in there. It looks like the, the church door is open. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and walk on in. All right. Well, you're able to walk in and you feel the creaking of the floorboards beneath you as you enter in. It looks you can still smell like the, what was the remnants of incense and uh, a lot of flowers, like wildflowers have been gathered together. And it looks like, well, it was probably the end of a ceremony within the chapel here. Uh, there is one older gentleman who is still sitting in a makeshift pew to the right who looks up like he's in, in maybe prayer or he's some sort of meditation he kind of looks up to you and just nods quietly 
I'm going to sit, uh, not next to him, but across the to the pew to the left. So if he's in the right, I'm just going to take the pew to the left. All right. Right in the same row. After a few uh, awkward, quiet moments, the gentleman speaks up. Shame, isn't it? Right, right, yes. Shame, shame it is. Um, my, my, my condolences to you. Oh, thanks. He's, uh, he will be sorely missed. Definitely. Absolutely. Unbearably. You are, you are from, uh, not from around here. You came in to pay your respects. Gave, what gave it away? Yes, uh, I saw the procession and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, any loss is, is a tragic loss. Just one. I see. Uh, may I ask? Be... Oh, please go ahead. I just wanted to ask what, uh, if, if I may be as bold to say, what was your relation to the, uh, yeah. deceased? We were all part of his congregation. Was he a, a priest? Was he a. Yes, pastor? he was a priest of the All Father. All Father? Yes, he was, he was the priest of our village as well as the school teacher. Father Wellen will be terribly missed. Father, father who? Wellen. Wellen? Wellen, yes. Wellen. And that's that. That is quite devastating. Uh, again, my my condolences. Uh, what, what what was he like? What was some of the sermons he he preached? You see him kind of smile sadly for a moment, much uh, as any all father priest, uh, fire and brimstone, uh, speaking out against the iniquity of drink, which didn't go so well in the tavern. Uh, and he was always on some sort of crusade, which he kind of looks around, some think was his undoing. Crusade? Uh, why would people think that? Why would, what, what, what was he, how, how his, extreme did he get? His last sermon, he admonished us to beware those temptations from the forest. That we should always be on guard against the evils brought by them. I, I, I apologize. Uh, my name's Finn, by the way. I'm sorry I did not get yours. My name is Eldon. Pleasure to meet you, Eldon. I apologize if, um, if I find it humorous that such a, such a thing can be as threatening as you're telling me it is. But it's, a forest is a forest. It's got grass and leaves and trees. And- oh, but does it? Some people here, if rumors are to be told, there are stories that there is something more to that forest. It is called the Hollow. Our town was named partially after it, since we are within its bosom, so to speak. The Hollow has a life of its own, some say. And there are forces that govern what happens in the hollow and what happens around it. Our good father, Welm, he thought this was sacrilege and spit in the face of the All-Father. And so he spoke out against it in his last sermon. 
And when I say his last sermon, I mean that was the last time we saw him alive. So you're telling me that he, if I, if I'm assuming correctly, uh, he went out into the forest and he came back and never came back or? Oh, no, no, he's, he, he never left. Well, except for that box you saw leave. He was struck down. Some people say it was a fey arrow, but a superstitious lot. For those of us who are still pious followers of the Allfather, we just think that perhaps he was getting up in age and had a cold recently, perhaps. That may have been it. It's shaken the town already. There's enough superstition and rumors going about to make people upset, but losing Father Wellen, it's cast a shadow. That's, that's unfortunate. I'm very sorry. Um, I thank you. I sent the boy out before boy. it seemed... Yes, there was a lad, one of the uh, one of the attendants to Father Wellen, who's a boy oh, rushing up the road. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. He uh, almost clipped me on the way out. It's fast uh, boy. He was, yes, well, he's, it seems he found Father Wellen's uh, holy symbol, the the circle of the All-Father, had fallen out of, for somehow, some way, had, he just kind of gets this odd look, had fallen from the, the coffin and broken upon the floor. The boy was, as it looked like it had been burnt, he said. And was rushing to give it back to, well, to give it back, and so it may be buried with Father Wilm. That was very nice of that boy. That does sound awfully suspicious, though. Welcome to Glen Hollow, young man. Happy to be here. Um, I'm actually, uh, I'm looking for a, a, a friend, a comrade of mine. Um, does the name Markel mean anything to you? Does it ring any bells? Oh, yes. Um, Bellos. Yes. Yes. Uh, he's, uh, well, I am, he usually would be found in uh, his store, Glen Hollow Tool and Sundries. But uh, he is in attendance with the, the rest of the uh, procession. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, what was it? Eldon? Alden? Eldon. Eldon. Well, I'm going to extend my hand and shake his, shake his. It's a pleasure speaking with you. And again, my sincere condolences. He 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 returns the the shake with a nod and goes, I, "I thank you. I do find it disturbing, though. I, I I am a I am a pious man, but to have a holy symbol look at this burn and broken fall from the dead, it is bad tidings. Bad tidings, my friend. I'm not the biggest religious man, but." I suspect that to be not the best sign. Agreed. All right, back to the other three that are still up on the hill uh, with the last of the procession going by. So, everybody up there, give me a perception check, if you would, please. Lock got 10. Okay. Uh, it's not his strong suit. I'm guessing. Carl got 15. And nice. Pocket got 16. All right. 
So it's, to be very honest, all of you can spot this fairly easily. You see uh, a young boy, maybe about 14 years old. It looks like he's got uh, like a, some sort of like vestments or something like flapping in the wind behind him, almost like wind, uh, wings. And he's running up pale face, sweating, running up the hill here to try to catch up the procession. He gets to about, oh, I'd say probably about five feet away from you guys and stops for a moment, like looks at you, but he's trying to catch his breath. So he's got his hands on his knees and you know, just trying to suck in deep breaths. And uh, it looks like he's just trying to go ahead and do like the last few feet just trying to catch up with the procession. Um, Locke will take a step forward, sort of concerned. And he says, young man, are you all right? Yeah, yeah, yes. I have to. Uh, Father's holy, uh, Father's holy symbol. I found, I, I found it on the ground. It's, it was on him. It, it, it was on him, and, and he holds it out. It looks like you recognize this lock. It's a symbol. It's a just a silver circle, a, a, a ring that uh, is a symbol of the All Father which is one of the newer religions, especially in Riverhold, uh, that is being taught. And a lot of, uh, you know, the church, new churches in the, in the Southern Reaches are churches of the All-Father. The thing you notice about it, though, it looks like it is blackened where it has been cracked. And this mm-hmm. is not something that could easily just fall and break, and especially the blackened part around it seems a bit odd. Uh, excuse me. May I, may I see it? I, I completely understand if, if not otherwise, but. He I, looks up to you and kind of squints for a moment and then notices your symbol, mm-hmm. of the Haven Guard. And he just looks at it and goes almost like a relief and he nods and hands it to you. I'm going to, I'm going to look it over. Do I, do I notice anything? Do I roll anything? Really? Uh, give me, give me an investigation check. Ooh. 17. 17. Well, you turn it over in your hand. And you can see it looks like it's blackened. What would be the part? The part that's blackened is the back part. And it looks like it's actually been cracked. So the, the bottom part of it is cracked. And it's it's still in one piece, but it's broken there. But the blackening seems to come from behind the holy symbol, the part that would be on the chest of the person wearing it. Interesting. Um, Locke will look it over. He'll he'll you know spin it around in his hands before handing it back to the the child, and he'll nod, but he'll take note of that. And before the the kid resumes his journey, he'll ask. He says, "I apologize if this seems indelicate, but how did he pass?" The boy looks at you as he's catching his breath and says, well, it, and then it happens. All of you here notice this. The head of the funeral procession is probably about maybe 15, 20 feet away from you now. It's a small village, so it's not the longest procession in the world. But the, the reverent silence is now broken by a banging from, it sounds like it's coming from the front of the procession. You look at this, and it seems that the pallbearers are now looking, gasping, looking towards the coffin they're holding, as it now starts bucking wildly in their grasp, and then falls to the ground. 
Frightened and confused, pallbearers look to each other, not knowing what to do. Before anything else can be said, the coffin lid explodes into splinters as a dark, gaunt figure rises from within and begins to convulse. The pallbearers, still in shock, step away from the coffin. The occupant continues to convulse and makes a dry coughing sound before exploding in a cloud of ichor and gray flesh, covering the pallbearers. The four men fall to the ground from the explosion. One manages to drag himself away, retching violently, the others lying completely still. What do you do? Screaming has started from within. Of course, the creature is no longer there. It's exploded, but there's screaming from the procession. Finn, you can hear this as well. You're hearing voices cry out in shock and alarm from the hill that you'd left before. I'm going to race out of the church to see. I'm going to look at Eldon, tell him to just wait here. I'll go check it out and then go out and see firsthand. So I see that. All right. So um, you see from the hill, from where you are, you're able to make it out still. You can see it's a good vantage point from where you are. This Up on the hill, you see that the coffin has been dropped and the four men that were carrying it are on the ground. They're is this you can even smell it from here there is this bitter almost nauseating smell in the air and for the three of you up there it's even more potent right now it almost makes you kind of you're trying to keep whatever you ate for breakfast inside at this point uh, but there is chaos now up on this hill where the procession has stopped um if i may yes uh just start to instruct people to get away from everything. Okay. So you're going to have to run. Now you're going to have to run up to there. Okay. To get there because you're, you're a little ways away because you were at the church. So I'm going to say you're going to be there. There's going to be a round of action I'll give. And then you're going to be, you'll be able to be up there. If you were to go, you can use the ability to dash. So you can go your full, twice your, your full movement to get up there and you'll be able to make it. So you're moving, you're moving at all speed towards this, whatever's going on up in the hill. And to your companions. For those of you who are on the hill right now, what are you doing? So, um, how many people are infected with this icker? You said four? There are four people that have been dropped. It was all four pallbearers. It looks like it was uh, whatever had this creature was had exploded, and parts of it literally are on these individuals. And one of them, as I said, is is uh, looks like an older uh, man with a gray and pepper beard. He's dragging himself away and retching. The other ones are completely still, and the I, coffin itself is in tatters. Of course, it's just it's shredded. Sure, um, Locke is going to rush forward to the old man who's dragging himself away, and he is going to use lay on hands on this individual. So. <clears throat> For those of you who don't know, Lay on Hands is uh, for Paladins in 5th edition. I have a pool of healing power that kind of just sits inside of Locke. And as an action, I can touch a creature to restore any number of hit points remaining in the pool, which is 15. I have 15 hit points in this pool. Or I can use 5 HP to either cure a disease or neutralize a poison affecting this creature. So I would like to use 5 of those hit points of my 15 to cure disease or neutralize a poison if this is either of those things. 
I will give as you get close to him, you notice that there is these grayish blue lines going up his neck. His eyes have seemed to go on cloudy. From your experience, give me a quick medicine check if you have that skill. Um, I do not. not, I do. Okay. Ah, 15. 15. You're able to identify this as a quickly spreading poison of some kind. Uh, then I, then I will use, uh, one of, I'll use 15 hit points to neutralize a poison on this, on this old man. Um, now you said there's four, so I, I only have 15. So now I'm down to 10. I can only heal two more people. All right, so that we're gonna we're gonna pause on that for a moment. So while you're doing that, uh, pocket, what do you want to do? Um, I'm gonna run up as well. Um, and I see him grabbing for the um one that's still that was convulsing, and I'm gonna go check on the ones that were not moving and see if they're even alive still. You rush up to them. You start checking for you know life, life sign the pulse or you know they're breathing or something like that. Uh, give me a medicine check, please, if you would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Well, you may not be an expert, but this guy's dead. It looks like there is um, froth and spittle, kind of grayish around the mouth. I mean, they're, they're still, they're covered in whatever this creature was. Uh, but their eye, they look more, more than the one gentleman that's being treated by Locke. They look like they have these bluish gray, bluish vein uh, veins going up their neck. And it's much more, uh, it stands out much more and their eyes. Uh, one of them, their eyes are still open, have almost gone like, like roll back in their head. And there's no sign of life. I just kind of look back. That's the first one you've seen too. You're looking quickly at the other ones and you have a feeling this one may not be the only one dead. The two others look similar. I look back at Locke to see if he's looking and um, just kind of shake my head. No, because I don't think Uh, even my hearing wounds could heal this. uh, They are beyond your assistance. Yes. Locke has a very fallen face as he he sees the others and shakes his head, determined to save the person that's in front of him. Okay. Uh, real quick, we're going to go to Carl. For Carl. Yes. Before you... I'm going to let you go ahead and like say if you want to do something, but one thing you notice is Pidge has gotten very agitated and does not do this normally, has taken flight. Oh, Straight shit. up and away. Huh. Straight up and away. Uh, has she done this previously? Like that's any very rarely when you were first working with her, but you've been you know for years, and it's never been a thing. She's usually by your side unless told otherwise. And during these other times, was it just when you know anything scary, any sort of mass hysteria? She's just shot up, uh, shot up. She's. Her training, if you could say that's more of a, a relationship you two have than, you know, uh, big, uh, she's not a pet really to you. She's a companion. Yeah. There's been one other occasion that this was done and it was during, there was a, uh, a someone who thought it was a hedge wizard before, but it turned out to be a necromancer. Oh. 
years ago that you and another you were leading another group to fight when the necromancer had been plying his art mm-hmm. and trying to raise something she took off this was early on when you first had her okay so i i see her shoot up uh i'm just to- she spooked she spooked, basically. Yeah, she's spooked. I, I'm assuming I am near Locke and um, yes, Pippin and Pocket, Pocket, Pocket. Um, so I'm near them. I, I look over at Locke to see if he's aware that my owl just shot up, but I doubt that he is. So I, I go over to him, be like, "Look, there's obviously something not right here. My owl is doing something that she she normally never does. We we got to do something." I don't know what, but we got to do something. That is worrisome that your owl would do that. Also, it concerns me because corpses generally don't explode into viscous <laughs> liquid either. Well, so I would, I would agree that something is amiss. And after you say that, Locke, corpses also don't usually get up. Ah, nuts. <laughs> At this time, the three that are the three that Pocket had determined were dead turn rapidly a grayish color, similar to whatever was in that coffin. Their hands elongate into claws. Their mouths start to go ahead. The jaw starts to go ahead and extend out and canines are formed. Almost they, they look ghoulish and they rise up hissing and looking at you as their next victims. Everybody. And this includes, uh, you will be up here this round. Because while they were doing that, you were running up, Finn. I want everyone to roll initiative, please. Oof, nine. Fifteen for Locke. Okay. Oh, I got nine a nat. For Finn. I got a nat one, but it's a four. And you said a fifteen for Finn? Uh, or a 19, no, sorry. nineteen. Nineteen, yeah, yeah. So we have uh, pocket four, Carl nine, uh, lock 15 and Finn uh, 19. Nice. All right. Let me go ahead and just uh, for these lovely individuals. All right. So Finn, you've just moved up here as fast as possible and you come up right in time to see it looks like Locke's been tending towards one of the pallbearers that still was moving uh, pocket was near one of the other three that don't look at their moving, except now they are. And not in the normal way you expect people who probably just died should move. What do you want to do? Um, I'm going to go ahead and just stomp on as many of them as I can to keep them on the ground so I can retain order. You would be able to... Uh, you'd be able to get to one of them, and if you want to just, you know, curb stomp them or something? Or? Yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. I'll put my my foot through the back of their head. All right. Uh, let's see. On this one, since it's not really a – you're not using a weapon on it, uh, if you want, go ahead and just roll an attack. Add in your strength bonus. And tell me what you get. I got an 18. 18, you connect, boot to head. So uh, for this, I'm going to say it is two points plus your strength bonus. What would that be? 
two points plus my strength. That is four. All right. So you hear an audible crack as your the uh, your hard boot connects with the back of one of the creature's heads as it's rising, and you see part of the skull cave in, and it continues to rise and then turns to look at you. Uh, hell. All right, that's we've got Finn up next is Locke. The gentleman that I uh, laid on hands, he doesn't seem like he's turning anymore. Not at all. Matter of fact, it seems real quick what you were able to see before this commotion happened behind you. It looks like those grayish veins that you saw earlier are clearing up, and it seems like he's coming out of whatever this was. Excellent. Well, then I'm going to step around him to place myself be, uh, between him and these uh, zombies, I guess, these ghouls. And I'm going to move forward towards the closest one, and I'm going to smack it with my hammer. So they're still rising. That's what the... Uh, yes. Then I'm, I'm going to rush forward and it sort of hit it with a uh, croquet mallet swing with my warhammer. Sounds good. All right. So this one's close to you. This is not the same one that was uh, because this one was towards the back that Finn hit. So this will be one closest to you. It's the foremost uh, closer to the graveyard. So go ahead and uh, roll and see if you can hit. 23. That is a solid hit. So let's go and see damage on that. Get my dice. One moment, please. These, these fun D, D8s. Ooh. Eight damage. All right, eight damage. It solidly connects, and you see, you, you it cracks into the shoulder, and it looks like you see just the the, the shoulder crushed down. It's crunched down. Uh, it looks like it might be losing, normally be losing the ability to use that arm, but it's still moving forward or still getting up and and, and moving towards you. Uh, we go next to Carl. What do you want to do? You're probably about to so see. You were right up next to. Lock when you were talking before, so I, I you were within five feet. I was within five right feet. Yeah. Um, hmm, not really great. You could for my back bow. off if you wanted to. Is there like a, a tree or someplace high up that I can uh, get to? Well, you're you're five feet away from me, so you could pull back and get some more room if necessary. And you're a little over five feet. You're not going to get it. There's not going to be an attack of opportunity with you pulling away from that already. So uh, I would allow you to back up and then fire if you want to. I will absolutely do that then. Okay. So then I roll. Does 10 hit? Let's see there. Uh, your arrow, unfortunately, it it's just because probably you're backing up and there's chaos all around people screaming there. There's a lot going on. So unfortunately your arrow flies past one, barely missing Damn it. it. All right. So up last on the party roster is pocket. That's me right in front of me. I'm assuming this is a now a much taller. Um, oh Yeah. Yeah, great. It's still getting up, but already it's taller than you. Great. Um, I'm going to use a bonus action to start and cast Shillelagh on my quarterstaff. Now that's going to make your weapon, if I'm correct, is going to make it uh, considered magical and is also going to give a, a plus to hit and damage. Yes. So I can now use when I attack with it, I can now use my spell um, attack. So it's a plus five uh, yeah. to rolls and then damage is now one D eight plus three. Excellent. 
Okay. So I cast it, and then I'm I'm just gonna swing away at the one that's right in front of me since I'm pretty dang close. A twenty-one hit. Twenty-one hits, solid. Okay, for damage, uh, nine damage. All right. It is a so your shillelagh connects, and there's a little bit almost like a, a barely can see a flash hit as this uh this creature undead creature evidently is struck by it it wobbles a little bit but still continues to stand in front of you towering over you (laughs) um yeah and that ends my turn because i can't move again i can't move yeah all right so i for for their turn these creatures it was they were getting up so on this next round uh, they will be able to attack. All right. So we're going to go up, up to the top of the round. That's going to be Finnegan. So you've just uh, curb stomped this one. It's still gotten up and it looks like it's not really happy with you. If you could right. tell that from an undead minion. Makes sense. Story checks out. What would you like to do? I will allow you to draw your weapon if you want and attack. Yeah, that's going to be. So be a little too close to do booming blade. Just a little too close. With Booming Blade, uh, that uses... Um, That's a one-time deal, right? Until well, I rest? No, Booming Blade is one of your cantrips. You can oh, yeah, do I can those, do those anytime. Yeah, Booming Blade, uh, for that, part of the action you use to cast a spell, you must make, it take, make a melee attack with a weapon against one creature within the spell's range. Otherwise, the spell fails. On a hit, the target suffers. Okay, so this one, no, you could do this one. But it's not going to go off if you don't hit. So you're going to have to also make an attack with your weapon. And okay. the spell booming blade literally is a blade you're using, and it creates a thunder strike uh, through the blade, doing thunder okay. damage or sound damage. All right. Well, I'm going to take my rapier out. Okay. That's an action. So I can still attack. Yeah, I'll allow that. Okay, cool. Um, then, okay, I'm going to roll to attack. All right. Is that a 23 hit? 23 hits, yes. So you're going to want to do your normal damage plus an additional 1d8, and that's the thunder damage. So you're actually striking, and it's almost a sound of a thunder strike going through your blade into this creature. So damage for my right here. That's a plus 6. 1d8 plus 4. Let's see. Uh, you've got you're using your rapier, one d eight plus four, and then add another, then do another one d eight on top of that. Okay. And you want the total or the separate ones? Uh, total's fine. Twelve. All right. There is everyone in the nearby area. You hear it sounds like it's like you're like wait a minute, is it raining right now? Because you hear a, a it sounds like a booming thunder, but it's very local. And when it hits this creature, Finn, it seems almost to shudder a bit with the, with the noise as shakily, but it's, it's still standing up, but it looks like you've done significant damage to it. Damn. All right. All right. So we go from, uh, Finn to Locke. You're up. Yes. Um, so, the enemy that I had struck, how damaged does it look? And just, I obviously he's a ghoul or a revenant or a zombie or something. So I know it's not the best 
You're uh, looking at probably this is from your experience. You you've been around for a while, and the teachings you've had. This is a zombie, but it's these things are acting different than you've seen zombies before. First of all, they never rise this quickly, from what you've heard, and you never heard of them blowing up before. Right. Um. Okay, I'm gonna try to hit it again with my warhammer. I am sort of being reserved in terms of like how much I want to use in terms of spells, but it, he he hasn't attacked yet. I think I'm still okay, so I'm I'm just gonna swing my warhammer again. Um, and this time I'm going to do a two-handed strike. Okay. So that will change your damage being done, right? Yeah, j- j- it turns it from a D8 to a D10 if D10. I connect. Right. Ooh, uh, does 15 hit? 15 hits. Whoo! All right, D10 time. You're managed to connect squarely in the solar plexus of the creature. Awesome. Max damage, 15 damage. 15 damage. Ow. If he wasn't, if he wasn't dead already, that would hurt. Yeah, I, I picture Locke. So he, he, he has stood up at this point. Right. The, the zombie. Yes. Um, I picture him batter swinging this hammer straight into the chest. Yeah, as as it hits the chest, it staggers back for a moment before regaining its feet, and it looks like the chest area is just a mess right now. There's this ichor dripping uh, dripping down, and it, it's it's literally caved in. But this thing is still standing against all odds. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, then we go to, let's see, it's their turn for those that are left. So we're going to do first an attack on Pocket. So this one is going to strike at you, sir. Oh, no. And let's see. uh, Your AC, if I remember, is 16, correct? Yes. So this creature, undead creature, grasps out with its clawed hands at you, but ends up falling short. Just barely. It looks like it was trying to reach out and it figured out that maybe you were a little further shorter down. So it went over, it swiped over your head, barely missing you. You're feeling, yeah, it probably, um, your hair moves to the side from the wind of its passing. Uh, next we have Locke, the one on you. Well, now, uh, it not only misses you, but it overextends and falls down flat on its face and is trying to scramble up. But as it's doing it, it looks at a villager nearby and starts crawling towards it, like almost like a skittering crab. Oh, no. All right. That's on its turn. And the last one that is on Finn. So you did a significant amount of damage to it. It staggered from that, the the uh, booming blade uh, cantrip you use, but it still is taking a swipe at you. Unfortunately for it, but fortunately for you, it is not it is not able to connect. So you're able to dodge away from it as it tries to strike you. Huzzah! There you go. All right, so we have Carl up next. All right, so Carl's upset that her uh, bow missed. It's kind of a little, or her arrow rather. Uh, it's a little embarrassing. So she's going to try again, but she's going to do a uh, hunter's mark on one of them, the the closest one to her. Sorry, she uh, can't miss, hopefully. Okay. So I'm going to roll. Cool. So I have a 20. Yeah, that hits. Ha! <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. So then I'm going to 
You have redeemed yourself in the eyes of the villagers. Woo! All right, so I'm going to roll my uh, D8 plus four piercing. Nine? Nine. Now, you said you had a hunter's mark on that as yes. well, right? All right, let's look because with the hunter's mark, you're going to be doing an extra 1d6 damage to it. Ooh. Well, then. Uh, so that's nine you said already so, so 13, far? So 13, then. 13. All right. Duly noted. Okay. It's still standing. Mm. Doesn't look happy, but it's still standing. Good. At least it's not happy. No. Well, I don't know how happy Undead <laughs> get, but yeah. it isn't. <laughs> All right, then we go to pocket. Excellent. All right. Um, um, What's your plan? Looking at the area, um, I would like to move. No, because I would. Everybody would be stuck. Okay, I'm just going to swing my shillelagh back at the one in front of me again. You got it. So. There's the roll. How does a 17 do? 17 connects. Cool. And for damage, we got ourselves a 7. Ouch. All right. And clarification. Yes. Edit note on this one. Um, so, Carl, which one? So we had one was being attacked by, I just wanted to clarify, which one were you attacking? The one that was uh, with your arrows? Were you attacking the one that was on Locke, the one on Finn, or the one that Pocket's fighting? The one that Pocket's fighting. Okay, good. That's what I wanted to confirm. Yeah. And Pocket, what was the damage again? Seven. Seven? All right. As your shillelagh strikes this time, between the vicious arrow strike from before and your hit, it connects and you just hear this audible crack as it looks like the neck snaps on this creature and it falls to the ground. Cool. Great rejoicing. <laughs> it falls, it falls to the ground in just a heap. It's like the limbs are splayed everywhere. Um, I back and, away from it. Right. Okay. So that's one down. At this point, and we go up to the top of the round. Finn, you still have the attention of your friend. Hmm. Okay. All right. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and can I throw a firebolt at him? Firebolt. Uh, with this one, unlike the, let's see. Um. This one, if you were to strike it, unlike the booming blade, so you actually use your weapon as part of the cantrip. This one, it might have an opportunity to take an attack on you because you're in melee and you would be casting a spell that includes verbal and somatic on that. Uh, and it would have an opportunity to strike at you. All right, well, I'm just going to do burning blade again because that's fun. The booming blade? All right. Uh, so once again, if you're initiating that, so you're just going to want to see if you are able to hit with the rapier. Is that dexterity correct? Uh, Well, the rapier, you just uh, roll your normal attack and see if you hit. So I think you're plus six in your rapier, so d20 plus six. Fourteen. Fourteen connects. Uh, You, it almost looks like whatever this 
person had been wearing in life before. It almost looks like it catches on there, but you're still able to sink it in just barely and you're able to hit it in the right shoulder. So you're going to be doing your regular damage. And once again, you're going to want to include an additional 1d8 of thunder damage. Twelve. All right. So with twelve, you strike it and it's that and that was including the thunder damage? Yes. Okay, perfect. So once again, there is this audible sound, and it almost seems like this gray pallid skin ripples with the with the sound of the thunder going through it. And it starts to shake. And almost like it's not able to, it's a stability is leaving it and it slowly starts crumbling to the ground. Uh, real quick, let me check on something here. Right. And as it drops to the, it just drops to the ground in front of you. Uh, it's not moving. Light, what appears to be, it's not moving. At, no, at this time. So, uh, next up, we have uh, Locke. So you still have, uh, so it was, it, yeah, it was crawling, kind of almost like it, it, it's 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 almost on hands and uh, knees, just moving rapidly towards. It looks like uh, probably a middle-aged human woman. So, Locke is going to behind it is going to raise the hammer over his head, and before he says something cool, I'm going to roll to attack to make sure I actually hit it. Okay, I'll allow that. <laughs> uh, Sixteen. 16 hits. You may say your cool thing. So Locke raises his hammer with both hands above his head and shouts, I am your foe. Come to the flame, you decrepit moth, and burn in its light. Nice. And 15 damage. 15 damage. All right. You solidly connect with your hammer. Bring it down uh, on top of its head. And... There is an audible crack, a breaking of bone as this thing just under the weight of your hammer and the blow just falls to the ground. And it lies still for a moment. And then as it seems like the life is leading it, leaving it, its eyes glow with its natural white and the head, which was facing into the dirt, turns with a cracking of bone and looks at you as it starts to get back up. Mm. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well done, though. So, uh, pesky undead. Uh, now we go to Carl. So you've just seen two of them drop, and it looks like they've stayed dropped. The one that Locke has been uh, working on that tried to get to uh, one of the villagers, Locke struck it down. And you just saw the most bizarre thing of it turning its head around, looking at Locke and getting back up after what should have been a devastating blow. Oh, my God. Uh, oh. So it, it went fully down and just came back up. Yep. Uh, still intimidated, but not knowing what to do just yet. Uh, she decides, you know what? I'm just going to try with my longbow again and hope for the best and see maybe I can get a headshot in. If I get the brain, maybe it'll just stop. Double tap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Legitimately. That's going to be her thought process is because she's still in shock. She doesn't know what to do. So her first instinct's going to be oh, keep sure. shooting. Yeah. yeah. 
So let's see. Okay, here. go ahead and roll the hit, please. Uh, f- uh, fifteen plus eight, uh, twenty-three. Twenty-three hits. Yeah. All right. Cool. So then I'm gonna do my damage. Uh, seven, eleven. Eleven points of damage. Your aim is true, and it goes right between the eyes in this creature. Its head snaps back. Mind you, its head is turned around right now still. Its head snaps back and actually turns back the normal way and drops to the ground. Yeah! For a moment. And then, just as it did before with Locke, Mm -hmm. it starts to slowly rise again she kind of puts her head and it almost is hissing at you Uh, she puts her head back kind of in like a come on sort of uh motion sure uh and it's their turn now well it the ones the one that's left is turn so it is going to uh closest to it to, to be very honest and you got its attention lock it's going to take a couple swipes at you okay uh, that is a, not a hit. It, uh, skitters across your armor. So you just feel it here. You hear the claws just going screeching across it. And is a 19 a hit. 19 is exactly a hit. All right. It managed to on the second claw coming up. It gets under your armor and it sinks into the, it, it sinks into the skin of, uh, your bicep. Just grabbing a hold and, and and clawing in, you take five points of damage, and you feel almost this cold sensation as it touches you, uh, but then it passes. Okay. All right. So that was its action. Uh, at this point, by the way, the villagers, needless to say, are getting out of town. They're trying to. They're moving away. And trying to get enough space between whatever these things are uh, that you're fighting and them, because they've seen it. Uh, they don't want to. They've seen the explosion. They've seen it. It's past. At this point, you know, some of them are almost like just crying on the ground. Those that still have retained their senses are running away and trying to grab others and drag them away as well. Uh, the gentleman who you had helped before is steadily uh, standing up with the help of somebody else. Just so you're aware, uh, Pocket, you are up, sir. All right. Um, I am uh, not very close to him, so I would have to move closer, right? Yeah, but it's I, I say within this combat, you would be able to move up to them. That what, what's your your uh, your twenty feet? Twenty five feet, I believe. Twenty five feet. Yeah. Okay. So for twenty five feet, you'd be able to you'd still be able to go uh, to run up to it and strike or whatever you want to do. So I'll allow that. Yeah. All right. Then I'm, you're not that far separated away. Then I'm just gonna run up and. Uh, Cast my, sh- uh, not cast, I'm going to swing my shillelagh at him. Go for it. All right. 15 to hit? 15 hits. And another seven. Seven. All right. So you strike this thing, and it, you hear the cracking of ribs, and you start to see it stagger the light going out of its eyes it looks up at you and hisses and then falls over motionless i hiss back there is all of a sudden 
on this hill where this has taken place, an odd sort of quiet settles over the battlefield. The three creatures that attacked you are still, finally still. As you watch, the broken bodies, the gray starts to leave them. They still have twisted features, but you can start seeing more of the features they had in life returning. But they still remain dead on the ground. The original creature that had burst open from the coffin, of course, is nowhere to be found except the splatter ichor and flesh that remains on the ground. Everyone around you, there is cry- you're now hearing people start talking, crying, holding each other. Some people are screaming still. It's, it's chaos, of course. What do you want to do? Um, Locke would like to sort of alleviate some of the fears and worries of the townsfolk. And I'm going to cast um, Divine Sense as an action I can detect good and evil for 60 feet, and I want to see if the evil has left these bodies. All right. So you call upon the faith that you have in your order. Uh, The Haven Guard, it should be stated, they are, while paladins traditionally, usually they serve a deity or a, a, a religious cause. There is more with the knights. It is, it is a, their oath is to their order and preservation of the order and helping the community with the to gain back their faith in the order. There's been, we won't get into right now, but in long lost history, uh, the original Knights of the Storm, which became the Haven Guard, were not thought of very well by the populace of the Veiled Lands. But now that your order for, for generations has made amends and is working towards a common good. You're able to call upon that faith, the faith that you have in your mentor, in your order, in yourself. And you're able to sense if the evil still remains within these twisted bodies and you find none. Whatever evil has animated them has passed. I will immediately stow my weapon and my my shield and i will drop to one knee over the the corpses of these these poor townsfolk and i will announce to the onlookers and those surrounding us as the evil has left your fellow countrymen the darkness has passed and he will set to closing the eyes of the uh, individual in front of him. All right, you do that. And you look to the people around you. Let me just uh, do me a favor. Give me a diplomacy check, if you would, please. Or uh, not diplomacy. Um, strike that. Wrong game. Uh- <laughs> persuasion. Uh, give me a persuasion check. Thank you. Nat 20. You could sell these people cars if they had cars in the <laughs> Veiled Lands. Uh, you could sell them a horse. Uh, no, do you, you generally, your words reach out to these people that are needing some sort of comfort right now. They're needing something to hold on to in what has become complete and utter chaos. And your, your voice is that voice of reason. You're the one that they're, okay, this is terrible, but 
they're able to cling on to that and come, some people come to their senses. I mean, it's still, of course, there is crying. There is people trying to gather up remains. Some people aren't even willing to go towards them, but people are now starting to say, okay, get these. It looks like maybe somebody was a constable. So, okay, get these bodies up. We need to go ahead and have them. I don't wish to put them in the, in the graveyard. We need to go ahead and move them outside and burn them. And other people are arguing about it. So, no, no, you can't do that. I mean, that, that, that was, that, that, that was Henry. He, you can't do that. He was just among us before. And said, no, it has to be, you know, it. And there, there's all this conversations going on. Um, slowly, the gentleman that you saved before Locke, the gentleman with the salt and pepper beard, he, wearily it looks like he, he's still kind of not in the best of health but he's doing much better he walks over to you and offers his hand lock uh offers his back in return i usually be thanking you for your help my name is dmitry guznets hey uh, you have come my friend you and your companions at a very bad time I would disagree, Locke says. He pauses for a moment and like tilts his head. Well, why would you say that? You'll see what happened. This is not a good thing. Locke nods and then he gestures to Dimitri and says, if we were not here, you would be as dead as the others. He stops for a moment, thinks about it, and then nods slowly. This is true. You, you have good brain. You and your friends... You not from you are not from here, of course. I am not either. I bet you cannot guess that. <laughs> I, but I have been here for a few years now. Uh, I would offer you um, a drink at the tavern if you wish to have something. It is safer in the tavern anyway. It grows dark. Um, Locke nods and then glances to his companions, and I think. A drink is in order. My friend, a drink is always in order, huh? <laughs> he calls out and whistles, Volk! And after a while, a few, few moments, you see a dog looks more like a wolf comes trotting up to him, panting, stops for a moment, kind of looks around, gets his hackles up and looking at the dead bodies. And then with a word in a similar language from Dimitri, it stops and goes right to his side and sits down. This is Volk. He is my friend. Or I am his friend. One of the two. We will take you to the end of the last rest. Come. Uh, the others will be there shortly after they uh, clean up our fellows and what is left of Father Welm. All right, we'll we'll follow your lead. All right. Anybody else uh, want to do anything while you're still here? I'd like to pet the big wolf. All right, you go towards the wolf, and it kind of looks at you and just kind of stares at you for a moment, and then just lowers its head a little bit, and it's like it's waiting for something. I put my hand on its head, and I say, "It's nice to meet you." You get the impression. It just says you get the impression, and it's it's welcome. You should leave soon. I nod. <laughs> All right. Anybody else? Carl or uh, Finn? No, honestly. Is Markel around? Uh, you 
you ha- don't know what the merchant looks like. Uh, you know his name. You know what you call him, and you know what uh, these villagers call him. But you don't know. You don't have a description of him. He's um, he's look can look like many different people if he wants to. Gotcha. Uh, is Elden around, or is he still in the trade? Uh, Elden, he's an older gentleman. It probably he would not have been going up that hill uh, that soon. It looks like he was quite content to stay in the church. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. But there's there's a number of other people around, like the the one gentleman with the strange accent was talking to Locke. There's uh, the boy that was running that you saw before mm-hmm. uh, up the up the hill. And there's assorted villagers, mind you. A lot of them are pretty shaken up right now, but some of them yeah. look like they're trying to organize things. Okay. Um then I'm just going to I'm going to go with the tavern to the tavern with everybody else. All right then. After everything is done, there's a number of you including a number of the villagers that are now going towards the tavern. And as you head down the hill, you all see at last your destination. The only two-story dwelling in the center of the village. As you all draw closer, you realize there's a number of makeshift barriers that have been erected around the inn. You see an odd assortment of broken furniture, looks like maybe an old barn door, uh, some old fencing, and other items have been hobbled together to form a protective wall around the establishment. Uh, if that wasn't odd enough, you see that most of the windows, including the second floor, have all been boarded up from the inside. And uh, two young men in chainmail and carrying spears guard the only remaining entrance to the inn. Above the door hangs a sign proclaiming this to be the last rest inn. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, Woo! welcome to Glen Hollow. Hell yeah.